Bless the Lord. Mark chapter 9, verse 14 through 24. And it reads, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes pressing with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my sons, which have a dumb spirit. And whatever, whatsoever he taketh him, whatso, whatso, wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him. And he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and penneth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. This is when the spirit saw Jesus. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. He's been dealing with this. He's been dealing with this since he was a child. And oftentimes it cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Amen. The title of the sermon today is, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Amen. You may be seated. I tell you, we've been having, I, I can't say enough about this, this Bible study. We've been talking about faith and talking about the mind and the power of the mind and how a lot of the struggles we deal with originate in the mind. And, and just think about the Sunday school for those that were here today. Awesome Sunday school, but more importantly, awesome testimony and sharing that took place. And we talked about the power of the resurrection and, and, and my sister evangelist, I believe Harris, talked about a powerful testimony. She gave a powerful testimony about the influence that God has once you encounter him. Amen. And, and, and the, the, the thing is, she talked about a 30-year period that she dealt with, but it was something when she came into the presence of God. Amen. And she was just sharing it. It was a powerful testimony. But here I want to, to talk to a few people that believe but struggle with unbelief. Because it is very possible that you can believe God but still struggle with unbelief. I, I want to petition to you that even as we lay out through this scripture, it says in verse 14 that when Jesus came to his disciples, it, it has to be understood that Jesus just came off the mount. And he had Peter, James, and John, I believe, with him. So they coming off of a mountaintop experience. And here Jesus is coming down. To, and to see his disciples, the, the people that followed close to him, the people that he called, they were in some discussion. They were in a discussion. And they weren't in a discussion with just anybody. It was three classes of people that were here. You had the scribes, which were the, the lawyers and the judges of the time. 
and then he had the, the disciples who were the disciplined Christians, those that walked closely with Jesus and not only walked closely with him, but they saw and experienced his power. Understand that. And then you had another group of people that came with an expectation. So you had judges and lawyers. You had people that, that were called by God that should have been full of God. And then you had a people that came with an expectation. And they were all talking. Not only were they talking, but they were talking to the disciples. And it wasn't just a talk. It was more like an argument. Because these people came and at this point, they were teasing the disciples because they weren't able to do what they, what the people expected them to do. So now you have the, the scribes that were sitting here saying, you know, remember, these are enemies of Christ. The scribes were enemies of Christ because they knew the letter of the law, and they, they, they were the judges, if you will, of the law. And when Christ came to say that he was above the law, they didn't agree with it. So now this was a perfect opportunity for the scribes to criticize and tease the people that Christ called. So they're sitting here having a conversation with them, and, and they're like, man, I thought you were able to, I thought you walked with Christ. I thought he called you. you. You've been all over the place with him. You saw him do all of these things, and isn't he, aren't you one of the people that he left behind? As he, you know, as he goes about his journeys and his day-to-day, aren't you one of the people that he left behind to, that we should be able to come to and expect results? What happened here? Because we see that this, this man, one of these men came. They came to the disciples. They had no expectation of seeing Jesus. But they did have an expectation of seeing the disciples and getting results. But they came to a place where they were talking and they were questioning. It says that the scribes were questioning the disciples. Have you ever been questioned as a believer? When you name the name of Christ and you say, I go to UCFI, and they ask you, what church you go to? Who, who's your pastor? Right? It, it's sort of like, you know, I saw some people going through my neighborhood knocking door to door yesterday. You know, they had their Bibles and everything. And I've experienced them before, as you have. And they'll ask you certain questions. And I had in my mind yesterday, I said, boy, if they come to my door, all I'm going to tell them is, Hey, I appreciate you for checking up on me in my faith. But I'm a child of God. I'm saved by grace. And Jesus Christ is my Lord. That's all you need to know. Right? I had in my mind, that's all I was going to share. My main point was that Jesus Christ is my Lord. Because if they were truly concerned about my salvation and my life and eternity, when I tell them that Jesus Christ is my Lord, that should be the end of the conversation. Right? But sometimes you can get around people and you can tell them, yeah, I'm saved, and they want to know what church you go to. What affiliation do you have? And because the answer of you being with Christ is not enough. They want to know who's your pastor. So based on who you say your pastor is, they'll determine on how good of a Christian you are because people judge churches, right? So the minute you say you're with Christ, then that really doesn't, that's, that's good enough to continue the conversation. But they want to know what man are you affiliated with. So here it is, the scribes. They're like, well, well, wait a minute. You're supposed to be with Jesus. He left you and told us if we got any problems, go see my disciples. We talked about it in Sunday school this morning, didn't we, uh, First Lady? 
We talked about being influential. We talked about being full of the Holy Ghost. And when you are full of the Holy Ghost, it says you shall be a what? A witness. We talked about this this morning. So here it is. They're having a conversation in verse 14. And, and Jesus steps on the scene and is like, what is all this discussion about? What's all this chatter? What's all this talking? What, what are y'all talking about? Because sometimes you can talk about stuff too long when you should be doing something. So Christ is wondering, what, what is all this discussion about? Let me get some details. What problem are y'all having that y'all are still talking about? And it says in verse 15, I can prove to you that they weren't expecting Christ. They were expecting the disciples to show the manifestation of the power that they say was within them. So in verse 15, it says that Jesus walked in and they were surprised. They were surprised that Jesus, they weren't expecting him. It says that they were greatly amazed. Now, they are, picture this, a crowd came. They heard Elder Frazier was, he, you know, normally on Sundays, Elder Frazier's at 13646 Jefferson Davis Highway. So I'm going to go see Elder Frazier. I really ain't coming to see Jesus, but I'm going to go see Elder Frazier. So now you got all of these people that are circled around you, Elder Frazier, expecting you to produce results. And now here it is. Again, they, 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 they came to you, Elder Frazier. They asked for you to pray for this young boy, and you prayed, and nothing happened. Somebody that walked with God, walked with Jesus. One of the ones that he named saying they're with me. Now they're asking you to pray, Elder Fraser, and you prayed and nothing happened. Has that any ha happened to anybody? Somebody come to you and ask you for prayer, and you praying to sweat and snot come out, and nothing happened. You believe in God, and, and they believe, they come to you and say, can you pray for my, my mother? Can you pray for my sister? Can you pray that I get this job? Can you pray for this to happen? And you believe but help my unbelief. Because they came to you, and, and, and you still checking up on them. You're like, hey, did something happen? They're like, no, nah, nothing, ain't nothing happened. So the next day, you, 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 you go to them again. Hey, did something happen? They're like, ain't nothing happened. Well, I'm going to keep praying for you, brother, and just know this, if God don't do anything, that he's able. Wait, wait a minute. I understand that. But what we're going to get into, somebody say, help my unbelief. See, the disciples were locked into a conversation with these scribes, and, and you got to understand that not only were they being agitated by the scribes, but the disciples were vulnerable. See, it's just like the enemy. He came to the, to, to the disciples at a point of vulnerability because they were battling with them themselves. Why didn't something happen when I prayed? And it's, it's a bad situation when you have no explanation on why you can't get results, and you know, I believe. What happens? So here it is. They're being agitated, and many times we, we get agitated in our own mind, asking God, God, why doesn't anything happen when I pray? God, I believe. I be God, I believe you. Why doesn't anything happen when I pray? So, so here it is in verse 16. In verse 16, he says, look. What questions do you have for them? What are you questioning? What are you antagonizing them about? And, and I'm just going to talk to you all about three questions. That's, those are my three points. The first question is, what are you arguing about? What are you arguing about? What, what, what discussions are y'all still talking about, and why are y'all still talking? It says, and one of the multitude jumped up and answered, 
you say, God, I brought my son to, to your boys, to, to your followers, the ones that name your name. And what we're talking about is they can't get results. That's what we're talking about. And then the scribes are sitting here, you know, agitating them, joking them, just like many of you get joked in your own mind. Many of you are scared to say your confession because you're not quite sure if it's going to happen. Many of us are scared to give a testimony because we're not sure how long it might last. Right? You know, we, we'll, we'll, we'll know and we believe God healed us right now, but I'm not sure how long this power can keep me in my healing. So we'll keep our mouth shut. Why? Because you've been questioned before. You've been questioned before, and you didn't have an answer. And you didn't have an answer. You know, I remember one time I was in Nordstrom, right? And we're talking about faith. I do believe. You know, I was in, I was in Nordstrom's, and I, I said, you know, today, Elder Fraser, I was going to go and, and buy me a couple of things. So I, I went, and I went to Nordstrom excited. I was like, I'm going to pick me up a couple of shirts, a couple of ties, you know, a couple of things. Whatever I want, I was going to do it. So I, I, I got my stuff together, and I'm waiting in line. I get up to the register, you know, because I believe my card works. My debit card. So I get to the register. I put it up there. And the lady was like, is this it? Yeah, that's it. Pull my card out. Boom. Give it to her. She swipe it. I noticed nothing. Nothing. Has that ever happened to anybody? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's a long line. And everybody looking at you. So I'm like, I ain't even break a sweat. Because I believe and I knew what was in my account. So I said, oh, you need cash. So she, she swiped it. And, you know, I sweat a lot. So I get that little one bead. I'm like, ma'am, I don't know what's going on. I don't have credit card. I got one credit card, right? I ain't even going to that. Ma'am, I need you to try that again. Nothing happened, right? So at this point, I went there believing that my card worked. But I got faced with a situation that made me kind of uncertain. So I said, well, wait a minute, ma'am. Let me call my wife up. I said, baby, I need you to check. I need you to check the account and move this from my, from my savings to my checking. And Keisha was like, no, it should work. It should. Keisha, I'm standing here right now. I understand it should work. But right now, I need you to move something to make something happen, right? See, many times we go into a situation believing, right, until something happened, and now we, we our faith is kind of shaken, right? And, then it's, and that's going to tie into this story. I'm telling you that, look, you got to understand. You got to understand, and you got to know what's in your account. Somebody say, you got to know what's in your account. Oh, that's going to come back. See, many, see what, what credit does, credit makes you forget about how low your account really is. I said credit makes you forget about how low your account really is. See, many of y'all got them $10,000, $20,000, $50,000 credit cards, but your bank account is on zero. I said credit can make you forget about how low your account really is. Are y'all with me? See, many of y'all are going off of credit right now in your faith, but your account, we're we going to get there. We're going to get there. Listen. It says, it says right here in verse 18, he begins to explain what's going on. And then Jesus answered them. 
and said, oh, faithless generation. He began to answer not just the disciples, but the scribes and those that are sitting there. He said, all y'all are faithless. All of y'all are faithless. Again, my first point is just dealing with the three questions. What are you still arguing about? What are you still talking about right now? What is the problem? What is the problem? One minute you say you believe, but you're not getting results. What is the problem? What is the problem? Then we go to, to question number two. How long should I bear with you? In verse 19, he says, oh, faithless generation, how long do I need to walk around with you? And this is the disciples, right? He's saying, how long? Look, y'all have seen what I've done. I have healed people. I have healed people with my hands. I've, I've spoken word and people have, have been healed. And I, I, I called you to walk around with me. The Bible says that when Jesus Christ called the apostles, he called them first to be with him, right, that they may be with him, that he can send them out, that they can cast out demons and, and cast out devils, right? So he said, look, I, I told you from the beginning that I called you for this. How long do I need to walk around with you before you mature in your faith? Because the only reason he allowed them to walk around with them is to build their faith up that they can do what he said. It wasn't about their association with him. It was about the power that they supposed to have on the inside. But see, they were still operating off of association. Is it possible that some of us are still operating off of association? You still telling people what church you go to. You still telling people who your pastor is. You still telling people who your praise team and who your keyboard player is. You still telling people, look, who, wh what is on the inside of you? Still living by association. And we're wondering why we can't get results. He said, look, how long do I need to be with you? How long? Do I need to continue to show you this stuff? See, your age is not a sign of maturity. Can I tell you that maturity is a, an accounting term, and it has everything to do with, you know, see, when you have a, a stock or a bond, for those that invest, when you reach the point of maturity, that means that you are getting everything that you expected to produce. So if you have a bond that's a $50 bond, when it reaches maturity, it, 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 it gives you $100. It has nothing to do with your age. I can tell you that you can be a 20-year-old or a 50-year-old and still producing like a, chi a child. See, many of us are walking around and we're tired. Well, I've been saved 20 years. Are you mature? Can you get results? Many say, I've been, I've, been, I've been saved for 50 years. Are you mature? Are you getting results? See, you can be saved for one day and get more power and results than somebody that's been saved for 50 years. It's all about Christ being on the inside and not you just giving an association. Maturity is not just a number. It's about when you start producing results from your life. I don't care how long you've been a part of UCFI. I don't care how long you've been saved. What God, what God cares about is when you start producing. Whose life is being changed? Who, who, who's coming around you that you're not influencing? 
what are y'all still talking about? What are you still asking? Has, has, has your situation changed? They're looking at you like, child, I'm about it. They're telling you, I don't even want to talk about this no more. Who are you supposed to be influencing? That, that means they're life-changing, but you're still going off of your association. How long should I bear with you? You know, I, I imagine, again, the when he talked about the disciples, you know, he was talking about how, you know, the disciples, they were postured again to take advantage of the, the disciples. The scribes were positioned to take advantage of the disciples. And the disciples, again, they had to do a soul search. They had to check themselves because, look, they were, can you imagine, can you imagine how the disciples felt when this man had every expectation of his life being changed and they were not able to produce nothing? Can you, has anybody ever, I mean, can you imagine that feeling? They mocking you now. You're saying your 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 title. You're giving people your title, and they're like, "You're not getting results." You're giving them your association. I'm with Bishop Williams. That's how you get in. You at the Pentagon talking about you and G4. You 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 know you you had to go to the Pentagon today, and you, you're like, "Yeah, you know Bishop Williams." They're like, "Who?" You trying to get in based off an association, right? You know, you know how we do. We drop names and stuff because their influence, I believe that I can benefit from their ability to influence. Amen. And I'm getting down to my, to my third point, but we're going to go through this scripture. Verse 20, it says, and they brought him unto him, and when they saw him straightway, this is the child. When, when the child that was possessed by the enemy, they brought him to Jesus, and what happened? immediately that spirit recognized the power that was on the inside. He didn't say a word, but the enemy recognized and began to respond to the power that was in him. He ain't say nothing. He ain't talk about association, affiliation. It says that when they brought the, the child that was possessed with the devil, when they brought him in the presence of Jesus, that the spirit responded. He ain't name drop. He ain't say nothing, but the situation began to change. Why? Because it's influence. This is the same thing that he's trying to tell you in Acts chapter 1, that when you become full of the Holy Ghost, that sometimes you ain't got to say nothing, but the situation should recognize what's on the inside of you. Many times we, we try to talk so much to convince people that we're full of the Holy Ghost. But I'm like, I'm sitting here watching. You can make your mouth say anything. Listen, I say you can make your mouth say anything. You sitting here trying to talk, doing all this talking, convincing me that you're full of the Holy Ghost. I'm sitting here like, I ain't seen no results. Dealing with the same thing, got the same confession. Well, my feet still this, and, and I still dealing with this, but God is able. God help my unbelief. Been dealing with the same thing after the same thing after the same thing, but your confession is the same. You need to be saying, God help my unbelief. You've been living on credit. You've been living on credit. You've been living on credit. You don't know how empty your account is. It reminds me of Samson. 
The Bible says that Samson reached a point where he had insufficient funds. He reached a point, look, he believed that he could move those things. He believed that he could move those pillars. But he reached a point where he had insufficient funds, where he went to exercise what he believed in, but nothing happened. When you live on credit, you don't realize how low your bank account really is. You don't realize how low your account really is. Now, Jesus asked him in verse 21, he said, how long have he been in this situation? I need you to understand something. Jesus didn't really need to know how long the boy had been in this situation. But can you imagine? Because at this point, that boy is convulsing and doing, going crazy. I mean, go, possessed, going crazy. The boy is, is there going crazy, and Jesus asking questions like, how long has he been like this for? How long has he been crazy? Because he wanted us to know that you can be in a situation for a long time, and you don't have to be in there. I need you to understand that Jesus' power and authority circumvents all power. It's, it's, it's sovereign. It has all power. So immediately when he speaks, it look, he doesn't need to adjust his dial of his power. I need you to understand something. It doesn't matter whether you've been in a situation 20 years, 10 years, or one day. Jesus Christ doesn't have to adjust his power to fit your situation. His power is sovereign. I come to tell you that stop trying to adjust yourself. Just be who you are in God. See, sometimes we try to get too many details about something to figure out whether we can handle it or not. Do you understand the power that you have on the inside of you? I said, do you understand the power that you have on the inside of you? We try to, we try to adjust. Well, well, I might need to take this to a first lady. This is a first lady problem. Well, you know, people come to us and, 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 and we put in our mind because you know your account is low. People come to you and look for help and you know your account is low. So what you say? Well, if you could just make it out the Wednesday night Bible study, Bishop going to be there. And I'm telling you, he's very approachable. He'll talk to you after service. If you come on Sunday, if you can't make it Sunday, come on Wednesday. I'm telling you, Elder, Elder Davis, you know, I can give you her number because she's very approachable. She'll pray for you right then. I'm asking you, what's wrong with your power? Look, God's power is sovereign. Somebody say sovereign. His, look, you don't need to be worrying about how long. You got too many details. Stop talking about stuff and do something. You trying to accumulate details about situations. In look, I'm telling you that the power on the inside of you is able to produce results. It does not matter. It's not about you. No way. See, many times, let me tell you the truth. Many times you try to get the details about the situation so that you can see if in your own ability you're able to handle it. I said that many times you try to get details so that you can see in your own fleshly ability whether you can handle it. But it's not about us. It's about the power that goes down, that's down on the inside. See, many times you'll talk yourself out of executing and being influential. Why? Because you're looking at yourself. We won't go in these streets. Why? Because we're scared that these, these young boys and these young people killing each other are bigger than we are. You're missing out on the power that's on the inside. We think that we're not 
big enough on the inside to overcome the problems that are out there. But can I tell you, the minute you affiliate yourself with Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, you have made yourself a problem solver. You have said that you are a problem solver. Somebody say problem solver. Anytime you affiliate yourself with Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, and you say that he's the Lord of your life, people look at you like a problem solver. Tell your neighbor it's time to produce. It's time to produce. Some of us believe just like this, this man. He said, you know, he began to ask Christ. He said, you know, in, in verse 22, he said, but if you can do anything. <laughs> he said, God, uh, Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can do anything. And I believe Christ was kind of offended by this. In verse 23, he said, if you can believe. Don't put this on me. Don't question my power and my influence. He said, if you can believe. He said, all things, all things. Somebody say all things. He said, all things are possible to them that believe. See, many of us are putting stuff on Christ. Well, well God, if you can do this. He said, look, this ain't about me. I've already proven myself. Now it's time for you to prove yourself in Christ. Many of us have this same type of faith if we tell the truth. God, I believe. I believe. Jesus, I believe. I believe. I believe I'm full of the Holy Ghost, but I'm not quite sure about this situation. What this statement, if I could break it down, what this statement is saying about this man on the inside, it talks about the inner turmoil that he had. You can one hand believe that Jesus Christ has compassion and empathy for you. But you can be unsure whether his power is able to fix your situation. It's very possible for you to believe that God touches the tears of those that mourn. But it's another thing to believe that God can bring you through this time of loss. It's one thing to believe that God is able to provide, that his name is Jehovah Jireh. But it's another thing to believe that he can make things happen when I got this, this financial situation happening. God, I'm not sure if you can do that. I believe you, but I'm not sure that you can make this thing happen. What he was saying is, God, I believe, I believe that, that you care about me, but I'm just not sure if you're big enough to handle this. Many of us live on a daily basis like this. We're saying one minute, God, I believe, but I'm not sure. Many of us came to church today with some situations that we are unsure about. You coming to church today shows that you believe, but the turmoil on the inside tells me you're not quite sure that God's power is sovereign. I come to tell you today that God's power is sovereign over everything. The Bible says that God gave him a name that's greater than every name. That at the name of Jesus, every tongue shall, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess. His name is greater. The Bible says that he's the king of kings and that he's the Lord of lords. The Bible says that there's no power greater in heaven, on earth, or under the earth. I come to tell you that God is able.
You might have came one way, but I'm telling you, you're going to leave today changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's time to stop living unstable lives in Christ. You need to understand what's down on the inside of you. There's a power working on the inside of you that's greater than your own ability. God is able to put his super on your natural to do unexplainable things in your life. You need to understand that. Look, it's time to stop coming to church just to prove your affiliation. If all you come to UCFI for is to prove your affiliation, you need to be changed. If you're more excited about being affiliated with Bishop Nelson K. Williams than being affiliated with Jesus, you need to be changed. I come to tell you, you need to be changed. It's my privilege to be your brother and sister in Christ. But if you're using my name, you need to be changed. Because in my name, there's nothing. But in the name of Jesus, stop living double lives. We got to stop living double lives. That's what we've been talking about in Bible study. That's what we've been talking about in Sunday school. Stop living double lives. Boy, there's a power working down on the inside of you. If you were to make a connection with that thing right now, all things are possible. This is not on God anymore. Listen, this is on you. If God is able. <laughs> Who is he able? Is he willing? Is he willing? He died. He died for you, baby. He died for you. What else do you want him to do? What else do you want him to do? He died for you. He proved his love on the cross. Amen? He proved his love on the cross. He proved his power when they rolled the stone away and ain't see nothing. Amen? Then he proved how much he cared for you when he said, I'm going to send something back. <laughs> he said, look, whoa, Jesus, look, listen to this. The scripture says, he said, it's more expensive for you that I leave this place because when I go I'm going to send back a comforter that's going to be down on the inside of you. See I can't be with you and, and all of y'all at, at the same time but I got something I'm going to send back to y'all. I don't care when we leave here which directions we go to there's something down on the inside of every last one of us and it's a promise. It's an absolute promise. Somebody say help my unbelief. The amazing thing about this whole story, <laughs> the amazing thing about this whole story is God gave one, one solution. He gave one solution to living on credit. <laughs> it says later on in the scriptures, the disciples asked him, why couldn't we cast him out? Why? And this was a personal thing because they've been tormented. They've been embarrassed. They're their lowest. Lowest of lows. They waited to, you know, they got one-on-one -on -one with Christ. Just, just like we do. You know, we get home and get in our prayer closets or get, you know, somewhere in a quiet place. And, and we begin to ask God, Some things 
So the question, how do I fix my unbelief? You need to get something in your account. How do you get something in your account? If you know you haven't been praying, you know you haven't been fasting, fasting and prayer, get something in your account. You got to understand something. If you know you're living on credit right now, fasting and praying puts you in a place of consecration before God. It puts you in a place of sacrifice where God responds. And if anybody has ever fasted and prayed, you know that God speaks when you consecrate yourself. You know that God fills you up when you set things aside and you begin to sacrifice. What that's talking about, sometimes, baby, you got to sacrifice. Sometimes you got a good excuse not to come on Wednesday, but you need to sacrifice. Sometimes you got a good excuse not to get up for prayer on Sunday and in and, 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 uh, Sunday school. But, baby, when you reach a point of insufficient funds, you need to sacrifice. Somebody say sacrifice. Listen, if we're going to grow and we're going to be influential, you got to be taught and you got to be pushed. That's one thing I know about Bishop Williams and UCFI. Every last one of, of the elders and not just the elders, but every member. I pray that every member pushes other members towards growth. If you're going to grow, there's some things, you know, you're going to have to put a stop doing this together. I taught in one of my classes, some things you're going to have to put a stop doing list together. Because if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep living with insufficient funds. Look, if you ever had a, a, a somebody come out and you wanted to heal your credit, they'll tell you that some behaviors you're going to have to stop doing. If you want to fix your credit, there's certain things that you're going to have to stop doing. If you want to grow in Christ, there's certain things that you're going to have to you're going to have to stop doing it. If you really want to grow in Christ, if you want to, see, if you want to transition from being affiliated with Christ to being a true disciple that gets results, it's certain things you're going to have to stop doing. And right next to that stop doing list, you need to put a non-negotiable list together. Certain things I just, I'm not going to do. And you need to make sure that your friends and everybody around you understand there's certain things that's non-negotiable in my life. I will not do it. It's not even up for discussion. I don't need to explain nothing to you. It's non-negotiable. And if you're going to be around me, it's non-negotiable that you're going to grow. I said, if you're going to be around me, it's not even up for discussion. You are going to grow. I don't need people around me that ain't trying to grow. I don't need people around me that's not trying to change lives. I don't need that. It's non-negotiable. Are y'all with me? Amen. And I'm coming to a close. But somebody say, help my unbelief. Amen. We're standing all over the building. I tell you, I don't know what, <laughs> what you came in with, but I know you're leaving with something. I said, I know you're leaving with something. Now, it's not, oh, God.